listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today I'm dealing with... um three increase principles that drastically changed my life drastically changed my life and um these are these are practical things that i noticed they're scriptural principles but things that i began to do practically that that i would say were launching pads if you will for the next level of blessing in mine and Carolyn's life. And uh, I can literally point to these. I can point to these and say, I know that when we started doing those things, when we started living like that, um, it took us to not just like a next level, but like drastically took us up to, an, to another place. And um, it, made a hu- it made such a huge difference in our lives that I noticed that like when we first got married, God quickly, we, we had, you know, credit card debt. God quickly took us out of that. Not only did he quickly take us out of it, I think if Carolyn's watching, she could give me the exact number, but I think it was like close to $20,000 of debt that God quickly took us out of. But the thing that blew my mind is that when God brought us out, we never once paused our tithing or our giving, you know, spirit-led giving, sacrificial giving. We never stopped any of that and watched as in really, I think it was less than two years, God brought us completely out of that debt. And uh, that might be, that might seem like a lot to you. That might seem like nothing to you because I don't know where you're at in life, but that was a big testimony for us. Um, And God totally took us out. And, um, and I thought how amazing that like, you know, people that would be a financial planner would tell you, you know, if you're going to get out of that debt, you probably need to pause your tithing, pause your charitable donations. And that's how they talk about it and, until you're fully out of debt. We never did any of that. We continued to honor God and God blessed us. But we noticed that when we started doing these three things that I'm going to teach about today, that it took us to another place that it wasn't just awesome to us. But it was a place to where people would make comments and say, like, man, that's amazing. You know, and if you've ever heard me preach on this, um, it's it's there are three levels of testimony that you can see pictured in Psalm 126. Um, there's a personal testimony, which is where God blesses you and you testify about it. But then there's another level of testimony to where God does something so big in your life that Christian brothers and sisters that that you know will testify on your behalf. Did you hear what happened for Letty? Did you hear what happened for Mary Beth? Did you hear what happened for Erica and Liz? And then they start giving your testimony on your behalf. But there's a whole nother level of testimony where even those who don't serve the Lord those that are unbelievers start testifying on your behalf. 
And that's in Psalm 126. It was said among the heathen, or it was said among the nations. The Lord has done great things for them. And these were people that didn't even serve the Lord. So the the highest level of testimony is when God blesses you so much that even unbelievers, even wicked people will see it and literally be amazed at what God's done in your life. And um, I, I I want you to turn to Psalm 112 because uh, Psalm 126 is not the only place that you'll see this, but the Bible says that in, in Psalm 112, that when the righteous person fears the Lord and greatly delights in his commandments, that his offspring will be mighty, the generation of the upright will be blessed. And then verse three says, wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. So this is something that happens for those that are dedicated to God's instructions. But if you go to the end of that chapter, the 10th verse, Psalm 112 and verse 10, here comes that. It doesn't mean they'll be happy about it, but they will have to acknowledge it. (laughs) I want you to write this in the comments today because it is funny, especially to the righteous, but it is true. Put this in the comments. The wicked won't be happy about my blessing, but they will see it. The wicked will not be happy about my blessing, but they will see it. They'll observe it. They'll not be able to ignore it. And that's what verse 10 is all about. The wicked man sees it. What is it? The blessing of the Lord on God's people. The wicked man sees it and is angry, the Bible says. The wicked man sees it and is angry. And he gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Glory to God. And so I want you to catch this today. Wicked people will see it. And wicked people will have to acknowledge it. That's the highest level. Because they don't want to acknowledge it. They want you to be destroyed. They want you to be broke. They want you to struggle through life. But the Bible says that those who follow the commandments of God, not only will they be blessed, but it'll be so visible in their life that everybody will have to take, uh, take a look and see what God has done for them. Right? So I'm going to show you the three things that for my life, I noticed changed my life, totally changed my life and took me to uh, drastically to another place. Um, The first one, if you want to put it in the chat, the first one is extreme generosity. That's the first thing that I noticed. Extreme generosity. And, um, I noticed that because my wife and I made a decision early on in our ministry. And we made a decision because we had seen, of course, we've had great teaching. We've had great impartation. And so principles had been uh, 
you know, deposited into us, imparted to us. We understood these principles, but we made a decision from the knowledge that we had. And the decision that we made was that wherever we go, we are going to make sure and insist that we will be extremely generous wherever we're at. Now, that sounds great in theory, but that decision becomes very important when you have to make these decisions and you're like, you know what, uh, I, I actually would appreciate it if, you know, I didn't have to be generous like this all the time. <laughs> I'll give you an example as to what I mean. It's like when you first start out in the ministry and, uh, you know, you're, you're for, for us, you know, being young, you know, not a lot of people necessarily know who you are. You're, you're waiting to get invitations to go speak and to hold revivals and things like that. And, um, we had seen, you know, and I, I especially had seen, uh, so many different ministries, I thank God that I got to be around the ministries that I did, my father, my uncles, you know, Brother Shambach, others, my grandfather. But there were other ministries that I'd seen that were uh, really giving ministry a bad name. And so I would see them, you know, like they were always, it seemed like they were always mooching off other people. You know, they were always like, uh, it was, they were so cheap, like the biggest cheapskates that I had ever seen in my life. And it was like they had, almost stained the reputation of ministers. It's like, man, ministers are cheap. Ministers are, you know, and then I would see it, you know, somebody come and turn in receipts for reimbursement for like dry cleaning. Like, Hey, by the way, I got my suit dry cleaned and it costs $7 and 13 cents. Wanted to turn that into the finance department and get, get a reimbursement. It's like pay for your own dry cleaning. And I saw so much, cheap stuff it's like you know you see ministers that people take them out to dinner and you know they will never reach for their wallet never reach for their wallet just as cheap as cheap could be and I thought to myself that is never gonna be me that is never going to be me any minister that's ever gone to dinner or lunch or anything with my wife and I any partner that may have ever spent time with us, any of the Victory Tribe, will know that we're sneaky. We'll get, we'll find a way to get the card to the waitress before you ever knew the card went to the waitress. And we don't let, I mean, not because we're prideful about it, because we have made a decision that we want to bless. We want to bless. We want to be a blessing. And we made up our minds, we will never, ever be cheap. So, we had to early on make a decision um, that we were going to, the other thing we thought is this, you know, as we're, as we're in ministry, we want to come into a church and be a blessing to the church. We don't want to come in and, and the church feel like they're a strain. We're, we're bringing, it's, it's so hard to have Brother Ted and Sister Carolyn and the family in. And the other thing, let me show you how this began. Not only had I seen cheapskates, but uh, I'd also understood that our call is to come in and bless the work of God. 
So when we come in, we want them to, when we leave, we want the place we were just at to feel refreshed. Like they just got a blessing, like they just got a refreshing. And so we made a decision early on that we are going to cover all of our own expenses, which is very unusual uh, for ministers at large. If you don't know that, um, we had pastors all the time telling us, I have never, I have never had a minister uh, pay for everything before. I've never had that happen. I mean, we, I mean, we had pastors that were just like flabbergasted. They would just be like sitting there with their mouth open. I've never had a, an evangelist come in that pays for everything. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And we said, well, we just want to be a blessing to you. You know, we're here, we're here to bless you. And so, and the other thing is, I, I made a decision because I always wanted to travel with my family. I always wanted my daughters and my son. Back then we didn't have uh, the daughters and the son, but my wife, I always wanted my wife to be with me. And I always wanted, when we had children, I wanted my children to be with me wherever I was preaching. Now, if you think about the fact that, you know, I'm on the road easily, you know, 250 days a year, easily. You know, imagine all of that, spending all of that time, but apart from your family, apart from my little babies, Teddy won't get to see me. The girls won't get to see me. You know, Carolyn doesn't get to see me. And imagine being 250 days of the year away from my family. I was like, well, we're not not doing that. We're doing this together. We're called together. And so Carolyn and I made a decision that we're going to do this uh, all together. We're going to travel together. Well, I will tell you this as well. Most traveling ministers um, do not travel with their whole families. Most traveling ministers, they come themselves and then they fly back to their families or drive back to their families. And because that's been the norm in churches, I said, you know what? Um, I'm not going to, uh, I don't want ever a church or a pastor to feel uh, resentment you know, that they have to pay for, you know, once my family grew uh, a bit, you know, whether it has to be, you know, uh, two two hotel rooms if they're smaller hotel rooms or uh, a larger suite or something like that. And then, you know, all those plane tickets, you know, oh, to bring in Brother Ted, we have to buy, you know, five plane tickets just to get him here. Or we have to get set now that we have the team, eight or nine plane tickets. I never wanted anyone to feel as though it was a burden to have our ministry come. I always wanted it to feel as a blessing, that it was a blessing to have our ministry come to the church. And so Carolyn and I made the decision early on that we're going to be extremely generous and that although others don't do it, although others may not make that their habit, we're going to, and back then, you know, all we, it was like me and Carolyn uh, in, in like a Chrysler 300. That was like, you know, we drove everywhere. And uh, back then it was just us covering our own uh, gas to travel and our own hotel rooms. And uh, pastors were like, I can't believe it. you're paying, paying for your own hotel room. And of course there were pastors that just insisted like, no, 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 we are paying for your hotel. And I wasn't gonna, you know, rob them of their ability to be a blessing either. You know, I'm not being prideful about it, but uh, we would just always pay for the hotel, pay for the gas. Well, the, the kids came, we moved to Florida, we started flying everywhere, and uh, that, that just continued on. 
And we said, we're going to pay for all of our own plane tickets and for our team. We're paying for all the hotel rooms and for the team's hotels. And pastor said, well, we've never, you know, I used to have it just for the dinner. People, pastors would be like, you know, we'd pay for just lunch, which to me is just like a nice thing to do. It's not like a major step of faith, but like pastor's like, I've never had ministers pay for the meal or pay for anything, pay for everything. And, uh, but we see this was based upon the fact that we'd made a decision, a principled decision that we were going to be extremely generous wherever we went. We'd be around pastors and pastors' children. Well, we made up our minds that we wanted our children to be blessed. And so we would always make it a point to bless uh, the pastor's children. And, you know, we'd always put something in their hand, whatever, if it was, you know, a $100 bill or we bought them a gift or if they were younger kids, you know, took them to, to a Walmart or Target toy section and let them buy some toys or whatever. But we always wanted to be a blessing even to the children. Well, we're sowing seeds. We want our children to be blessed, so we would bless other children. We've watched even that come back and that our children are extremely blessed. I told you yesterday, I was like, I didn't even realize how blessed my kids were. I was like, how does my eight-year-old daughter have $238 cash in her wallet to put in the offering? I didn't even, I had no idea. But it's because we have made a, a principle of being extremely generous. And it does vary, it gives you favor. I want to read you Proverbs chapter 11 and um, verse 25. The Bible says, actually, I'll read 24 and 25. The Bible says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Verse 25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. One who waters, one who refreshes others, one translation says, will himself be refreshed. One who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. One who waters, see that, will also be watered. And so, we made up this, our minds that this principle is going to be a part of our life. We're going to be extremely generous wherever we go. You have to fight with us to get the check. We just went out with, with a couple of our friends that are partnered with our ministry. And uh, I was like, no, no. They beat, us, they beat us to the restaurant, which I did not want to happen. And then they, they pulled our trick on us. And I had already slipped. I went away, got my card to the, the waiter, and the waiter kind of looked at me, and the waitress was like, sorry. It's like, it's too late. They've already beat you to the punch. And I was, I was upset about that. But, of course, I was also thankful because it was, it was generous of them. But I always want to be the one that is a blessing to you. And, and so I noticed that this principle started to take us into different places of blessing, supernaturally, that... When we, when we started living like this, the blessings started to flow. There were so many seeds out in the ground that harvests had to begin to show up, had to begin to show up. Blessing, goodness, mercy, following us wherever we went, wherever we went. And then, of course, I understood the principle that Paul was teaching uh, to, the, to the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 
And uh, what does he say? Well, he's teaching that uh, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Now, this is this is Second uh, Corinthians nine six, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So that means that the level of my generosity is going to determine the level of my harvest, the level of my generosity. Good morning, Tyra. And so I started to realize that principle, that the more I'm generous, the more I stand on this principle, the more my harvests are going to have to increase and increase and increase and increase. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. So notice Paul is uh, encouraging them to be generous even in their sowing. And then I went over and was, this really popped in my spirit when I started to look uh, back then in, in the book of Philippians and I started to see something which I've, I've taught. I started to see something which was uh, kind of a discrepancy because at offering time, you'll hear people all the time, they'll pray Philippians chapter four. Father, we thank you that our God's gonna supply all our needs according to riches. And I started to realize when I read it that that is not for everybody because if you look at what Paul was talking about when he wrote the Philippian church, it was, it was based on stipulations. He said, you were the only church that made up your minds to be generous to me. He said, and when I began in my ministry, you were the only church that gave anything to partner with me in this ministry, the only church. And he said, and you've done it again, and you've done it again, and you've been extremely generous. That's what Paul's telling the Philippian church, Philippians chapter four. And he said, you've done it again and again. And he said, and even now, I've been blessed by what you've sent, another gift. And he said, I'm not saying this in my letter so that you'll send more gifts. He said, I'm saying it so that your the grace or the credit will abound to your account. And then as he's talking about this, he said, and my God will supply all of your needs. Notice, as people quote it, that's not what Paul said. He didn't say, my God will supply all my needs. He was talking to people who had been a generous blessing to him. He said, and now my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So Paul's dealing with the generosity principle that when people decide to become supernaturally generous, then there are supernatural harvests that follow along behind that kind of generosity. And so we just, Carolyn and I made up in our mind that we're going to be generous. I mean, I don't, and the Lord will test you too. I've noticed this. The Lord will test you. The Lord will see at every level of your blessing if you've changed your heart. And he'll say, well, I've blessed you. I've leveled you up, right? And he'll say, all right, let's let's check now. Let's check and see if now that you're at another level of blessing, if the blessings are holding you now or if you're still holding the blessings. Oh, he'll check you. Trust me when I tell you. He will check to see. He'll put his finger on something and see if it owns you 
or if you still are stewarding it. And that happened to me. <laughs> I was at I was at Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's. I don't know which of you throw a hand up in the comments if you've ever been in one of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's live services. Put a hand up in the comments if you have. You've been in in one of those services. Well, it was one of the services where there were um, offerings being given that were what you would call sacrificial offerings. And I mean, it was like serious. It was serious in that people were leaving the church to go back to their apartment or their house to get things to bring them to put them in the offering. And I'm looking in the whole platform, stairs and platform covered. People have brought their acoustic guitars, electric guitars, keyboards, MacBook Pros, iPads, shoes, jewelry. And people just started giving and giving and giving. And um, uh, one of the things that was amazing is that I had already gone up and sewed a ring that my wife had bought me, very nice ring, and I went back and sat down thinking, man, I've really, I've sewed something that was dear to my heart. You know, I was like happy about it because it was a nice ring. And I, at the time, maybe you've heard me tell this, I was really, really into uh, wearing retro Jordans. And I had started to get Jordans and people started buying them for me and I, I was getting blessed. And at the time of that meeting, I had 14 pairs of Jordans in like perfect condition in their boxes in my closet at home, 14 pairs. And I like went, went back and I was like so happy I'd sewed that, sewn that ring and everything. It was a beautiful ring on top of the offerings we were giving. And uh, the Lord said to me, what are you going to do with all those shoes in your closet? It was like one of those testing moments. What are you going to do with all of those shoes in your closet? And I was feeling blessed. Like, yes, Lord. Amen. And then I heard him say this from scripture. Are you going to tear down your barns and build bigger barns to house all of this? And I felt the conviction of it, of the spirit. And I knew the Lord was touching my heart to see if every time he raises me up into different blessings or anytime something comes into my hands, is it controlling me or am I stewarding it? And so I, I got in touch with somebody from our church. And I said, um, I said, I want you to, to get all the young, I said, round up every young man in the church that wears a size 12 shoe, right? Round up every young man. And I said, I'm coming back Wednesday night and I want to meet all of them. I have something for them. Well, I went back to the house and got all those boxes. I'm coming into the church with all these shoe boxes <laughs> of, of beautiful, brand new looking Jordans. And <clears throat> I bring them into the office and I laid them out. It was like a Jordan buffet. <laughs> I was like, opened all, I opened all the, the lids to the boxes and here comes all these, these men into the, into the room. And I said, take your pick. I said, they're all for you guys. Take whichever shoes you want. They were like, are you serious? Like they were freaking out. Like, are you serious? Why would you do this? I had one guy ask me that. Why would you do this? Why are you giving all these away? I said, because the Lord told me to. And they came into the room. They were so happy. And I did that as not only a generous seed, 
because you think about it, some of those that people had bought me were like specialists, some of them $500 a pair, some of them, you know, more than that. And so, you know, whatever that might be when you add it all up, thousands of dollars, but it was my way of saying, there's nothing that God could ever put in my hand that I would not release to him if he asked me. There's not one thing that God could put in my hand that I would not release to him if he asked for it. He gives this seed to the sower. It was fun, Lenan. I love blessing people, and I love seeing them get blessed, and I love watching their faces as they got blessed. And so they were so happy. And I was happy. And God's blessed me so abundantly. But see, I was learning this principle. We're going to live in extreme generosity wherever we go. Extreme generosity. That's principle number one. The second principle that drastically changed my life, drastically, I mean, to, the, to another level, is when I started sowing seeds of honor. I want you to put that in the comments. Number two, I began to sow seeds of honor. Seeds of honor. And uh, you say, what, what is a seed of honor? Well, seeds of honor are not my tithes, and they're not my offerings to the kingdom of God, a seed of honor, what I'm calling a seed of honor, would be more akin to like what uh, in the Old Testament they did called a first fruit offering, where that did not go to the Lord, that didn't go into the, it went directly to the priest. The first fruit offering went to the priest. And when I began to sow seeds of honor, I was sowing them directly to men of God. And I, I made up in my mind, first of all, that I wanted to honor great men of God that have done things for the Lord in their generation. But I also recognized that uh, I wanted to, or I made myself understand that if God ever brought a great man of God across my path, it was not a coincidence because I don't believe in coincidences like that. I believe God orders your steps and that things happen because God has them in his plan to take place. And I don't ever believe it's some kind of a, um, I don't ever believe that it's some kind of a, a coincidence when God puts a man of God across the path of another man of God, especially randomly that looks random. So we decided, my wife and I, that we're going to sow seeds of honor. And so we would sow two men of God personally not just our tithes, not just our offerings, not just blessing the poor, but we made up our minds that we were going to sow seeds of faith to, to men of God that have impacted us personally on top of everything else. And so we began to do that. And anytime I would, kind, I would come across a man of God and just, I don't care if I was in the airport and saw them, it's like, oh man, look, at who, look who it is. I would get out and I would write a check. And I would, I remember one time, it was like everything in the world was trying to stop me from sowing my uh, seed of honor to a man of God. I was flying out of an airport. I get there early in the morning and uh, I was getting ready to go to my gate. And there is the pastor of one of the largest churches in the area, Holy Ghost Pentecostal Church. And he's sitting there flying somewhere as well. And I'm sitting there, I say, that's pastor so-and-so. I was like, I can't believe he's here. 
I said, you know what? I got. I need to sow a seed. I knew it wasn't. A, uh, again, I knew it wasn't going to be um, a coincidence. And so I am not even kidding you. I went to like every ATM in the airport terminal. And when I tell you that every ATM was down, every ATM was down. And I don't really normally, I don't carry cash that often. And man, I couldn't get cash from anywhere. And none of the places in the, in the airport would give me cash, even for cash back after a purchase. I'm sitting there and I've got no checks because my wife carries the checkbook and she wasn't there that day. And I'm like, are you serious? I can't get cash. I don't have a check. How am I going to bless this man of God? Well, I knew that his church was in the city neighboring ours. I called Carolyn immediately. I was like, Carolyn, he's, he's here. We're going to bless him. I want a check to be on his desk by the end of today. And she was like, yeah. And so she put it and she drove it over and gave it there at the church and, and made sure that they understood it was for him. And one thing after another, uh, every time great men of God have been in my life, I shared a story last night that um, I went to see Bishop David Oyedepo in Washington, D.C. And as we were there, um, as we were there, uh, let me just let me let me answer this question first. Ava's Ava's asking the question. The seed of honor is the first fruits. We do it every time in my church in January, but for the church, not the pastor. So, all right, let me break this down. So, in the Old Testament, um, they would do this. It was the first fruits was an actual. It was the first of their fruits, the fruits of their labor. It was the first of their harvest. The first and the best was brought in, and it was given directly to the priest. Now, you also have to remember that in the Old Testament, the Levitical priests, the tribe of Levi, they were not allowed to do anything else. They were set apart to be priests. So they didn't work secular jobs. They didn't do other things. They took care of the temple. So this was the other 11 tribes' way of taking care of the men of God as they did the work of God. And so... Uh, I know that that term is often used by churches like a first fruits offering. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing in the New Testament because, uh, you know, th- there are people that do it that way. We're like, they may, the, the first paycheck of the year, they may give that to God or whatever. But in the Bible, those offerings went directly to the priest um, for him to live on. And so that's why I really don't use the term first fruits when I'm talking about this. I use the term seed of honor. Because that's more what you're going to see when I read it to you from the New Testament in a moment. Um, but you'll, you'll see that. But I just call it a seed of honor because it's not my tithe. And it doesn't take the place of my offering to the church. Uh, this is something specifically for the man and woman of God themselves. For them to, for them to have personally. And so <clears throat> Bishop Oyedepo was in, was in Washington, D.C. He had come over from Nigeria. And uh, we were, my wife and I were believing for a certain thing. It's, we were in our ministry at that point. We, we seemed like every time we would hit this barrier uh, of financial increase in our ministry, it's like we would hit that ceiling and never break through it, never break through it. So I had, I had a knowing in my spirit. And I said, I'm going to sow, I'm going to sow a $10,000 uh, seed of honor into 
Bishop Oyedepo personally, not his ministry. It's not for the offering. I want him to have this. And it just so happened that it was uh, right around his birthday. And so I wanted to be a blessing to him. I'd been listening to him so much and his messages and his church were impacting my life so much. And uh, I love him. And so we were leaving and he was going out and everybody was waiting for him in the corridor. And uh, he came through. And when he did, my cousin Jonathan gave him something. And then I handed that $10,000 check to Bishop Oyedepo. And I'm telling you, it was like clockwork that as we sowed that seed that really we had never sown like that before to someone, when we sowed that seed, our ministry broke through into a whole different level. The thing that, remember I told you, it seemed like we were hitting that ceiling that we could never go beyond that. And it seemed like we were, we were stopping right at that cap. After we sowed that seed to Bishop Oyedepo, we not only broke through that cap, but we never again came back down to that level that we couldn't break beyond before. We never even came back down to it. We were always beyond it after that point. And it was one action of faith, one action of faith that literally took us and blew us up beyond where we couldn't even touch before. We were trying, 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 couldn't do it. One seed of honor blew us past it, and we've never been back since. Nancy asks, can you give your seat of honor at any time of the year or does it have to be in January? No. See, again, a seat of honor is not a first fruits offering. So I give them all through the year, all through the year, all the time. And I'm going to tell you more about that in a second. I was in a, uh, I was in a, a service with Dr. John Avanzini. And uh, see, here's the other thing that makes no sense to people when you realize it. You know, Dr. Dr. Evanzini is in his 80s. He's been preaching this message of abundance for decades. He doesn't need my offering. He doesn't need my offering. We're talking about a man that is a multi, 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 multi-millionaire. He doesn't need my offering. He doesn't need my seed. But I need to give it. See, this is what people need to realize. It, it, giving is not for God. It's for you. It's not for God, it's for you. So I'm standing next to this man who has touched many, many people. And uh, as we're in the midst of a worship service, we're singing, we're praising. And the Lord said, sit down and write him a check for $2,500 to him, to him personally. Well, of course I'm happy to do it. Of course I am. And uh, sat down right on the front row, wrote the check for 2500 handed it to him. He said, thank you, put it in his Bible. He, he made me laugh, actually. He's, he's from Texas, you know, Brother Avanzini, but very funny. And he slipped it in his Bible, and I'm sure people are blessing him all the time. And I think he had forgotten he put it in his Bible, and later that night, we were in the, <laughs> we were in the green room together, and we were just talking about the Word of God, and then his eyes, he said, oh, you, you gave me an offering this morning, didn't you? And he, he pulled it out of his Bible, and he opened it up, and he looked at it and he said, oh, I didn't know I liked you that much. <laughs> that made me laugh. I'll never forget that. But once again, seeds of honor. Well, we understood that this principle is uh, always functioning. It's always functioning. And uh, let me read this to you, and then I'm going to talk to you about what I, what I mean by it. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. 
This is the second principle. <laughs> I didn't know I liked you that much. This is the second principle that um, that has taken us drastically to another level, and that is this principle of the seed of honor. Um, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Now, this is talking about uh, financial, um, what's the best way to say it? It's talking about their their financial honor. It's not just talking about like, we really honor you. It's talking about financial blessing, financial blessing. Uh, It said they're worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Verse 18, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. That was Jesus speaking that said that. You shall not muzzle the ox while it's treading the grain. What does that mean? That while the ox is actually treading out the grain, don't put a muzzle on his face. He he must be allowed to eat while he's treading. He should be able to go down and eat some of the grain while he's treading the grain. And that's what it's, it's saying in regards to those that labor in the preaching and the teaching of the word. They're worthy of double honor, double honor. And I live by that principle. They're worthy of double honor. And I bless them in that way. Uh, and there's there's my friend Ben Fole who was able to sneak into the restaurant before me. I don't know if you heard that, Ben, but I was I was uh, hating on you but loving on you at the same time. He 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 got me. Uh, Erica says, "Does a seat of honor differ from when you feel prompted to bless someone based on the intentions of your heart? A Pentecostal handshake versus declaring it to be a seat of honor? Well, I mean, I just this is just what I call it when I'm referring to it." But I mean, um, I will make sure, though, Erica, that when I give somebody a seat of honor, it truly is something that shows honor, right? So, uh, and that, by the way, that is something that's not based on them, but based on you. I do want to make that point because, again, I look at somebody like Dr. Avanzini who's got millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, you know, uh, my $2,500 seed is not going to alter his life, but it's going to alter my life. Because at the time when that story took place, um, you know, that was a significant seed for me to sow into somebody, a $2,500 offering. And so for him, I'm sure it's not going to alter his life at all. But because it was significant to me, it's going to alter my life. And that's a principle that Jesus taught in Scripture when he was standing by the treasury in, uh, it, it, as people were giving their offerings. And the Bible says rich men came and cast their offerings into the treasury. But <clears throat> that widow came down and sowed her two mites. Her two mites. And what was Jesus' response to that? He said, this woman has given more than all these others. And the disciples said, how can that be? Have you not seen what they're getting? He said, no, no, you don't understand. They gave from their abundance, but she gave all she had. That's a principle that lets you know that what you give to God, God judges it based upon the ratio of what you give to what you have. Man, this is important. Get this in your spirit. The Lord judges your offerings 
of whether or not they're honorable, whether or not they take faith by what you give ratio to what you have ratio. It's like I always make this point. If you had two people sitting in the front row of church and they both sowed a $1,000 seed, does God view it the same way? Well, what if one of them has $1.1 million in the bank and the other one has $1,700 in the bank? I can guarantee you from the bottom of my heart that God does not view those $2,000 offerings in the same way because the millionaire who sowed it won't even feel it, won't even feel it, whereas the one next to him just gave more than half of his net worth to the Lord. It would be the equivalent of the millionaire giving a $550,000 seed because he had $1.1 million in the bank. $550,000 seed. That's what it would take for him to look the same because that's what it means to my life. That's what it means to my life. And so you start to realize God doesn't judge what you give by what you give. He judges what you give in relation to what you have, in relation to what you have. And so I recognize that, that as I sat down and write that offering for him, it's not going to alter his life, but it is going to alter mine. So to answer Erica's question, that when I give somebody something uh, on the intentions of my heart, yes, that whether it be a Pentecostal handshake or whatever it might be, I want to make sure that it is a seat of honor, that it means something, that it means something. And so once we got this principle in our spirit, Carolyn and I, we made a decision. And you know what we said? We're going to begin giving offerings that are seeds of honor every single month to multiple people. So we said, you know what? It's not just going to be once in a while when we feel like it or when we feel prompted. We know that this principle works so much that we're going to incorporate it as part of our every month, every day kind of a lifestyle, just like we do tithes, just like we do offerings. It's not in place of either of those two. It's in addition to. What have we talked about before? Kingdom slice. Kingdom slice. I'm, I'm, I'm just widening my kingdom slice to even wider. And so what, uh, what we made up our mind was we're looking at the men of God that are impacting our lives. And we've just made up our mind. And Carolyn had this in her spirit. She said, we, we really should, and I, I'm not taking credit for it. She wanted to move this uh, forward. And that's why I said it's so wonderful to have a wife who is a woman of faith. She said, we should move it into a regular thing. I said, I'm, I'm totally down with that. And so we started last January to do it in this fashion. This was 2021 January we started this. That every month, these men of God that have impacted our lives, we send a seat of honor every single month. And it's not just when we feel it or when we see them. Of course, we'll still do those things. But it's every single month that we're going to make sure they are blessed. They are blessed. And it's going to be something that we're setting ourselves up for blessing because we're honoring those that God is using. Amen. Um, Vera says, may not be about a seat of honor, but what's your opinion on savings? Because I'd feel weird if I saved more in a month than I'd give. Uh, that's not necessarily wrong. I mean, that's a, saving is a biblical principle. 
The Bible says a fool spends all that he has. So it's not wrong to save and to plan. You know, that, that's, that's a wisdom principle. You know, we need, we need to uh, use wisdom in our, in our finances. However, we never allow our savings plan to override, uh, for example, the leading of the Holy Spirit in our giving. There have been times, and it's, you know, they're rare, I will admit, they're very rare moments. But there have been times with Carolyn and I where the Lord has asked us to empty our savings account. And I believe, like I said in, earlier in the broadcast, these are moments of tests where the Holy Spirit will test your heart to say, do you trust more in your savings account or do you trust more in what I'm asking you to do? And there have been times, very few, very few, where the Lord has said, I'm I'm asking you now to see if you're willing, would you sow it all? And we did it. We wrote the check and sowed it all. But that doesn't mean we don't have savings. Doesn't mean we don't plan. Doesn't mean we spend all we have either. We use wisdom. We use wisdom. And so the point I'm making is that some people get so involved in their savings plan that if the Lord told them to sow a seed by the Spirit that he led them, they wouldn't do it. No, that messes up my savings plan. There are other people that literally that they won't even tithe because they're trying to get to a certain number in their savings account. Well, we're going to just pause our tithing for a while because we're trying to get a certain emergency fund together here. That's, that's a mistake. Don't ever put God last. Put him first. And he'll put you first. Amen. And so this seed of honor. It's like the woman did in the Old Testament. She had Elisha coming through all the time, 2 Kings 4. So she said, you know what we're going to do? She said this to her husband. We're going to build an apartment on the top of our house, his own personal apartment. He'll have his own bed, his own table, his own chair, his own lamp. He can come whenever he wants. She spent her own money to build an addition on her house just for the one man of God. That's a seat of honor. You know what happened to her? God blessed her so abundantly. He did the impossible in her life. She was already a wealthy woman. She didn't need money. She already had a good reputation. She didn't need somebody to put in a good word with the government. But you know what she couldn't have? Children. And the prophet said, you know what? Because you've done this thing. I'm going to pray. God's going to give you a child. By this time next year, he prophesied it. And it took place. And then the child was healed. And then, I mean, like, it was one thing after another. And so uh, you see that seed of honor broke out. It broke out into the supernatural. Let me give you the third principle before we pray today. The third principle that has taken Carolyn and I to truly to another level, drastically raised us up to another level, is the, it's a test that I call the seed to the sower test. The seed to the sower test. And we've, we've proven it, and now we're having our children prove it. We've proven it, and now we're having our children prove it. And so, um, for us, we've done it many times where there's a certain type of seed that we wanted to sow to the Lord. And why I say seed to the sower test, you'll, you'll understand when I explain this. Let's say, for example, you heard my story today and you said, you know what, Lord, I'd like to be able to sow a $10,000 seed like brother Ted and Carolyn did. I'd love to be able to do that myself. I don't have it right now but I'd like to do it. Well, what we do is we just ask the Lord because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter nine that he gives seed to the sower. 
and he gives bread to the eater. So we understand that God's the one who provides the seeds anyway. Puts seed in your hand, gives you the fuel to kickstart his system. So we start saying, Lord, give us the seed. Give us the seed. If we had a desire to sow uh, something that we didn't have currently, God would put it in our hand and we'd sow it. And uh, we so trusted him to give seed to the sower that we've sown without even uh, the seed coming in yet. I remember um, just last year, we sowed the largest seed we'd, we'd ever sown. And uh, it was supernatural because uh, my father was buying a new tent and uh, it was going to cost $35,000 for the first phase alone just of the tent. And I felt I didn't know how much it was going to cost because I hadn't seen the invoice yet. But we're sitting in a church service there in the West Virginia camp meeting. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're supposed to buy. You're supposed to buy the tent. All right. I, I text my brother-in-law. I said, how much is this new tent? Give me the invoice. And when he sent it over, he said, it's going to be about $35,000. I text Carolyn. I said, we're supposed to sow and, and buy this tent for dad. And, and we stepped out and we sowed that seed to purchase that, uh, that tent, you know, we get home. Now this is the seed to the sower test. We get home. And by the way, we put that on a credit card because let me tell you something. If you're going to sow at that level, you better get those credit card points. That's all I'm saying. Um, (laughs) you better get those credit card points. And, um, we get home. No lie. This is not my harvest. This is not my harvest. This is the seed to the sower. There's an envelope waiting for me in the uh, mailbox. We bring it in. We opened it. We opened it up. We pull a check out that somebody had sent us, and the check that was sent to us was the exact amount of money that we'd sown to buy that tent. It was God giving seed to the sower. That was not my harvest, my friend. That was God giving seed to the sower, just like he said he would. He gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater. And so we put this to the test that um, we knew if God wants us to be sowers and he gives seed to the sower, once he knows my heart, I will sow whatever he puts in my hand. It's part of, it's part of my desire for the kingdom. He'll make sure, he'll make sure that you uh, get that seed in your hand. Let's give Carolyn a call and see where she's at. Let's see if she'll answer. Hello? Hey, what's up? What's up? You're live on the broadcast. Hello, everybody. This is Carolyn Shuttlesworth. (laughs) Um, I'm teaching on... um, you know, we're, we're putting that to the test, the seed to the sower test. We're believing God to um, put in our hands the exact seed that we want to sow. And uh, I wanted you to just tell the story about how you taught uh, the girls to do that for the seed they wanted to sow. <laughs> I'm really on the broadcast. I am so glad I answered the phone properly. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Um, so with the girls with giving, 
when we were at the beginning of the year, we had uh, every year at the Word of the Lord on December 31st, uh, our church uh, does a, a seed, a seed for the year. It sets us up something new, something big. Uh, it sets us up something we've never done before. And so when we teach the girls that, I had told them, I said, listen, we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to do this. I want, I want you to see how God works in, in your life with giving. And, you know, of course, mom and dad can always give, <laughs> give them money, but I wanted them to use their faith to call it in. So I said, listen, you guys got to ask the Holy Spirit, what's an amount that you've never given before that you want to give? And so Maddie came back to me another time and she said, I want to do a hundred dollars. And she had never given that at that time. And Brooklyn said 50. Uh, and so that was at the beginning of January and I, I, you know, they wanted to give it by the end of January. So, um, throughout that month, they were sewing and giving and they would pray, you know, Lord provide da, da, da. And so, you know, as a parent, you're like, okay, that's it, Lord. My faith has to be up there too, because, you know, of course I can hand them the money throughout and be like, oh yeah, you worked and you did this. Here's something for, you know, doing this thing or, or helping us out here. But I really didn't want to do that. I really wanted them to learn the principle that with them giving and sewing, wrapping their faith around it and believing that God was going to provide for them personally at any age. Uh, you don't have to have a job to just be a receiver of money and then a giver. So um, she, uh, they, they uh, decided to pray and they continued to give. Well, throughout the month we were traveling and no lie, like different people would uh, give them money at a church service. Just, we were out, they wanted to bless them. And, um, I had given some money to some kids at church and somebody came up to me and said, Hey, I have, um, some money for your kids. Do you mind if I give it to them? And I was just like, that's so wonderful that even, you know, a seed that I've sown was able to be a harvest reaped for my children. You know, it's just like how God, you know, sowed his son and reaped it for the children of God. So I was like, absolutely, please go give it to them. And so by the end of the month, they had come up with Brooklyn's $50. She had more than that. And Maddie had more than a hundred. And I remember them coming to me and them saying, I got, I got my hundred dollars. I got this. And on top of it, I want to give more. I'm going to give my tithe. I'm going to give the hundred dollars. And then I want to give a little bit more. And then really ever since then has been a turning point in their life for receiving money. And I'm not even kidding. Like, right, Ted, without, I, I mean, our, we, we don't even give, really give our kids money. I mean, like, yeah, here and there. But honestly, everything that they receive financially has been given to them outside of, of us, really. I was, just, I was just joking because I was like talking about. How, I was like, I don't know, how, how did Brooke, I was like, my eight-year-old daughter just goes and gives, you know, 230-some dollars in offering. I was like, I don't even know how she has 230-something dollars in her purse. Oh, yeah. Like, the other day, Maddie was like, oh, I just counted my money, and I have, like, 400 and something. I'm like, you do what? <laughs> like, like, where did you get the, this money? But, I mean, people, people will just come up, and they just bless her. But you know what? Our kids have never, 
ever thought twice about the money. They've never thought like, I, I, I can't give this because they've seen, they've seen it in action. Like it's so evident, like, you know, just like what you said last night at the service, when I was in the car with Brooklyn, I said, Oh, Brooklyn, that's great. You know, because you gave, you're just going to get, you know, so much more back. And she goes, and when I get more, I'm going to give all that too. So they have that principle in their mindset that, you know, and that's the one statement I've always embedded in, in their mind is you'll never be without. I tell them that constantly all the time. I'm like, listen, you're never, even if it's the smallest thing, sometimes the kids will fight over a pack of gum, you know, and I always remind them, I'm like, listen, there's more where that came from, share and give, you'll never be without. And so I've always made that like a, 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 a thing in their mind that they're never going to be without you give and God's always going to provide for you. And, and truly it has, I mean, I, I always sit back and I'm like, you know what? The majority of the stuff they have, the majority of the stuff they have, iPads, Apple watch was given to our children, Yeah, was given to them. I mean, Maddie, her, her cousin, he sewed, his Apple Watch to our daughter Madeline. Alex sewed it to Madeline, and then he got an even better Apple Watch with like designer um, watch bands. And then so both of them reaped. And then Maddie is so responsible, but she accidentally took it off in the car when she was really hot in the summer, and it fell out. Remember this, babe? Yep, I do. And it went in the driveway, and you went to go pick up Brad and came back and um ran over it so when we found it she was she was crushed like she just felt really bad about it well i mean that night two hours two hours couldn't have gone by and I, we didn't we did not buy her a new apple watch someone else heard about it and two two hours took two hours for her harvest to come back she got a brand new apple watch because because she's a giver because she's a sower right and God God saw that and 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 was like she's she's not going to be without so I've always taught my children you're not going to be without yeah. as long as you're a giver you will not be without that's exactly right that's exactly right thank you thank you for answering the phone and you're so hot so thanks for calling me I, I love you I love you hey you hang, <laughs> you hang up first okay no, no you, you hang, hang up first no you hang up no, first please. come on you do it you I, love you, I love you bye I love you bye <laughs> and that's it. That is the principle, the seed to the sower principle that, you know, if you'll set it in your heart, that God is going to use you in your giving. You say, you know what, Lord, I'm believing, I'm believing for this kind of a seed to sow. Ask him, ask him to give seed to the sower. That's what he does. He gives seed to the sower. And I'm telling you, I've watched it. I've watched it and watched it and watched it happen. That all three of these principles, extreme generosity, seeds of honor, and the seed to the sower principle, I've watched these three just continually, continually uh, take us higher and higher and higher. And here's the thing, that as you're operating by these principles, the devil can't stop the increase that's upon your life. Because remember this, the devil has no access to the increased covenant you have with God. None. He has no access to the seed time and harvest covenant. None. In fact, the Bible says that when you're engaged 
in this kind of a, uh, God said this in the Old Testament. He said, test me now and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. But he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Think about that. So powerful. And I'm telling you, I've just watched as God's done it. It's not us. It's the Lord. It could only be the Lord taking us higher, higher, higher. I'm going to tell you something. This year is going to blow any other year away for the faithful people of God. This is our year of divine possession. This is our year to see God do things that nobody else could do. No one will even be able to explain it away. It's going to be next level. And so I want to pray for you today because uh, I'm believing for you personally. I'm believing for your family. I'm asking God to let this be a financial breakthrough year for you. I truly am. For those of you that are faithful, for those of you that are standing on the promise, I'm asking the Lord, let this be a financial breakthrough year for the people of God that are faithful to the kingdom. So let me pray for you today. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for setting up this covenant with us. Thank you that your word declares that as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. I thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Jireh. I thank you that you are El Shaddai. I thank you're a God of more than enough. Lord, I ask you today for your precious people that are standing on your word and believing for blessing and increase in their family. Let this be a banner year of supernatural blessing upon your people that no one will be able to explain away that even the wicked will see and be amazed. Let this be the year in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. We give you praise for that. Now, Lord, I pray that you would speak an instruction to those that are watching and those that are listening about a seed that they could sow by faith that would send them into the next level that you have planned for them in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you and we give you glory and honor and praise for using us in these last days. In Jesus' mighty name, we expect great things. Amen. Amen. Those of you that are watching, I'm encouraging you now, listen to that instruction from the Holy Spirit. Sow the seed that the Lord is speaking to you today to sow. This is an important thing. When the Lord speaks to you, it's to take you higher. I always quote this verse because we've got to get this in our spirit. He said in Isaiah 48, 17, I am the Lord your God that teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. There's always an increase when you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's always increase when you obey the leading of God. And so those of you, the Lord's already spoken to you what to do, maybe for some of you, It'll be the largest thing you've ever done in your life. God always brings us to those places. Thank you, Janine. God always brings us to those places where he'll test us and say, are you one I can trust with the seed that I'm putting into your hand? Or will you be like those who actually consume their seed upon themselves? Miss Kim, that verse again is Isaiah 48 and verse 17. Thank you, Joseph. Isaiah 48, 17. And so we've got to get it in our spirit. God's taking us higher by the power of the Holy Ghost, taking us to another level. 
And God has plans to use us greatly, but it takes the resources to do the work. And so the Lord's going to use us. And so take that moment. You can see on the screen uh, the ways to give. You can go to miracleword.com. If you're listening on the podcast, you can always scroll up. There's a link you can click that's in the description uh, of the podcast. Those of you that can see it on the screen, uh, all of the digital platforms and ways to give can also be found on the website. And uh, we love you. Thank you for sewing. Uh, again, for the month of March, Brother Hagen's book, I Believe in Visions, for those partnering with our ministry, those partnering at $250, we're including also The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. For those sewing $1,000 or more, we're including a net Bible with 60,000 translators' notes. It's our way of saying thank you for standing with us as the Lord is doing great things literally through this ministry that I could have never imagined. I couldn't have imagined it. If you'd have told us two years ago where we'd be today, I'd have just shook my head and laughed. But God brings the increase. God brings the increase. Again, don't don't go without remembering that this coming Monday is the opening of registration for Bible Study Made Simple. I believe it's the greatest thing we've ever released through Miracle Word University, and we want you to be a part of it. Um, you can go to bible.miracleword.com to see all the details about it. Uh, the subscription will be $15 a month, but once that registration closes on April the 10th, it will not reopen until late fall, and you'll not be able to get into the courses and all that we're doing. Um, on top of that, if you register in the first 48 hours, there's an early bird special where you will get a book by the top Pentecostal scholar in the world, Dr. Craig Keener, and that book is called The Bible in Its Context, and it is a phenomenal guide. I believe it's over 300 pages, an excellent, excellent resource, uh, one of the top scholars of our day, and he's filled with the Holy Ghost, speaks in tongues, has preached uh, all over the world, all over the world, and God's using him uh, greatly. And so that's our gift to the first 48 hours, those that are registering quickly, Uh, It's going to be great. Don't miss it. Do not miss it. We're live here in Fitchburg, Massachusetts all week long. We're back again tonight at 7 o'clock, tomorrow night, Friday night, and then, of course, all day, every day, 10.30 a.m. through the week. We start next week in Ithaca, New York. The week after that, outside of Detroit, Michigan. We'd love to see you in revival. I love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging with me today. I pray God blesses you massively for your faith. I pray he blesses you massively for the seeds you're sowing. I pray that it's a year like you've never experienced just to rub it in the devil's face. It's the best winter I've ever had, especially after the White House said, expect a winter filled with sickness and disease. I've felt better than I've ever felt in my life through this winter. So as they try to tease us with all the stuff that's going on in the world, there's going to be not enough. There's going to be a I'm believing that we're going to rub it in the devil's stupid, ugly face of how much God's blessing us. And uh, we won't look like this world, not one bit, in Jesus' name. I love you. Have a great day. I'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock, right here in Revival. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.